Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. James and I uh, both had things on Tuesday night. I don't remember exactly what James's was. I'm not even sure he told me. But I saw the national tour of Dear Evan Hansen at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts here in Orlando, Florida. If you like Dear Evan Hansen, go see it. It's very well done. The, the performances are fantastic. Of course, there's some really good songs in it. I, I still have more and more issues with the show every time I see it, especially in light of having seen Tootsie. If you've seen Tootsie and you've seen Dear Evan Hansen, uh, there's a lot more parallels than I would have imagined. But uh, anyway, the show is here in Central Florida through Sunday the 21st. Okay, on to today's news. Last night, we had the second consecutive opening night for the Broadway revival of Lanford Wilson's Burn This. As we told you before, Monday night's opening was really the opening party, the red carpet, all of the stuff to celebrate the production. Last night was the night that critics got to have their say. Just to remind you, the show is playing at the Hudson Theater and is directed by Michael Mayer and stars Adam Driver as Pale, Carrie Russell as Anna, David Furr as Burton, and Brandon Uranowitz as Larry. Getting to the reviews, Ben Brantley of the New York Times said, quote, This burn this, which is steeped in the rich compassion for the lonely and lost that is the hallmark of works by Mr. Wilson, only rarely stirs the heart. In the ideal production, it creates the sense of fire meeting fire in a fully ado between two ill-matched yet inexorably bound lovers. For me personally, this is Matt, not Ben Brantley. Uh, when I saw the show uh, last month, it's this ill-matched nature of the show, um, and especially these performances, that caused the most problems. And Alexis Solosky, writing for The Guardian, summed up my thoughts best, writing, quote, As Pale and Anna, Driver and Russell seem mismatched, mostly because he's a Juilliard-trained stage animal, and she's a first-rate television actress versed in small-screen physicality and nuance. He's reaching for the fly space, and she's working in close-up, a problem exacerbated by the play, which seems fascinated by Pale. It includes several scenes where Anna mostly just listens and reacts. Actually, a few of her scenes with Burton, a character who makes perilously little sense, are like this too. It's only when Larry, this is the character played by Uranowitz, that she gets anything like equal billing. So Russell mostly disappears, though she does somehow make 80s mom jeans look impossibly chic. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show three out of five stars, but continues to heap praise on Driver. He said, quote, Pale is the kind of steamroller role that is irresistible to actors, a sexy beast whose brutish pride masks a deep well of pain, and Driver gives it everything he's got. He's terrific and slightly terrifying. Even in the vastness of Anna and Larry's open, spare, high-ceilinged loft, there seems barely enough space to contain him. What Adam said was absolutely true for me as well, but I didn't see that as a good thing. The size of Driver's performance as Pale didn't feel real in any context, but especially not in the context of the play being done by the other three actors that he shared the stage with, especially Russell. To that point, Frank Rizzo from Variety said, quote, There are no such showcase moments for Anna, though Russell can be a spellbinder too as she tells the story of being in a room filled with pinned butterflies. The metaphor suits Anna all too well. Russell, whose stage credits are slim but who's proven her chops on screen in The Americans, creates a vivid, if less flashy, performance. Still, she's a force in her own right as she summons a quiet strength beneath her fragility, a sense of groundedness under her shifting emotions, and a shaky will to move on despite the hole in her heart. 
Either way, you can go over to the Hudson Theater and make up your own mind whether you think uh, Adam Driver's performance is too big or Carrie Russell's is too small or somewhere in between. Either way, I will tell you that Brandon Uranowitz is phenomenal in the show. Um, but that show is running at the Hudson Theater through July 14th. Check it out. Okay, yesterday, producers announced the remainder of the casting for the upcoming remake of the West Side Story film directed by Steven Spielberg. The one main principal role still to be announced had been Riff, and on Tuesday, we found out that former Newsie and Dear Evan Hansen Tony nominee Mike Feist was confirmed for that role as the Jets gang leader. But he was far from the only Broadway vet joining the ranks. Paloma Garcia Lee, who will appear in Moulin Rouge beginning this summer, will play Graziella. Well-known dancer Maddie Ziegler will be in the Jets Ensemble, and Anna Isabel will play Rosalia. Other familiar names in the 40-person Ensemble are Ben Cook, Sarah Esty, Eloise Kropp, Sky Maddox, and many more in the Jets. And in the Sharks, Yasinia Ayala, David and Jacob Guzman, Julius Anthony Rubio, Ricky Ubita, and more. We will have the complete casting announcement in the show notes at broaderradio.com. Take a look and figure out how many of those folks you've seen on stage before. While that news was great that they were hiring so many Broadway folks to be in the ensemble of West Side Story, it was not the only movie musical deets that we got yesterday. As for the second day in a row, Lin-Manuel Miranda dropped some In the Heights casting at noon on Twitter, confirming the rumors that the great and the good Daphne Rubin Vega would be playing Daniela and Stephanie Beatriz will play Carla. But that's not all, as Lin-Man revealed that Orange is the New Black's Dasha Polanco would play the new character Kuka, who I assume is going to fit into the salon somehow since she was paired with uh, Carla and Daniela, uh, but we'll have to see. But anyway, uh, as he did with Jimmy Smith the day before, Lynn tweeted out about Daphne Rubin Vega's longtime association with Heights, saying, quote, Fun fact that still makes me cry. He say, opened his tweet about Jimmy Smith the day before the same way. Daphne Rubin Vega was actually in our original production of In the Heights in a way. She was the voice of the radio DJ on Graffiti Pete's boombox before Uznavi chases him off. I listen in the wings before my entrance. Heart emoji, hashtag In the Heights movie. So uh, I, Lynn hasn't tweeted about this yet as I'm looking through Twitter right now, but uh, maybe keep an eye on his Twitter around noon to see if we can figure out who's going to be uh, Camilla, Piragua Guy, Graffiti Pete, anybody else. Okay, I've got a bunch of recommendations for you, but I'm just going to tell you about them and tell you that they are all worth it. So go check out the links. I'm not going to go in depth about them. But first, the New York Times brilliantly breaks down and explains the dream ballet in the Broadway revival of Oklahoma. I don't know if it's completely satisfying or not, but it will give you a dance perspective on the piece. Then the interval has an incredibly overwhelming and inspiring conversation with Rachel Chavkin and Anais Mitchell about Hadestown. I could... I could swim in a pool of these two talking about this show forever. Um, and finally, from the what from where department, uh, semi-garbage sports site Deadspin did a really fascinating look at the cleanup process that happens after a destructive show on Broadway, like we recently saw in the revival of True West, where they just demolish the set and then it has to be cleaned up for a performance either later that day or the next day. All three articles are fantastic and worth reading, and of course, they'll be linked in the show notes. Okay, to close out the show, Ars Nova has extended Mrs. Murray's Menagerie, directed by Lila Neugebauer, through May 11th. Then also yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced their 2019-2020 season, and it will feature new works from Jacqueline Backhouse, Will Arbery, Lucas Hanath, the late William Friedman, along with Daniel Goldstein, Sylvia Curry, 
and Jeremy O'Harris. We will have the complete list of shows, and they didn't give us dates, but they gave us like months uh, for the shows, but we will have those in the show notes, obviously. But I want to mention that the Friedman and Goldstein show is the last of Friedman's work that had premiered uh, before his untimely death, although a few others had been in the works at the time. It is Unknown Soldier, which will have its New York premiere, directed by Trip Coleman in February of 2020. And finally, in news even weirder than the Dream Ballet itself, it was announced yesterday that John Lee Hancock and Becca Brunstetter are working on a modern-day television adaptation of Oklahoma? The show will, quote, be set in America's heartland and include music by the legendary team of Rodgers and Hammerstein, reimagined for a contemporary audience in addition to new music to support the story. Okay. Uh, now that Concord has purchased RNH, I guess they're really going balls to the wall to cash in, aren't they? Uh, anyway, more on this bizarre story when, and I guess if, uh, they actually move forward with it. Okay, that's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. James and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow, so in the meantime, have a great hump day, everybody.